Welcome to another episode of A Modern Man Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Farrell. And I hope you had a great weekend. We are recording on Easter Sunday, so I hope you had a great Easter Sunday. And if you're not Christian, I still hope you had a great weekend because spring is upon us. So I hope you're in a great mood for great things happening for COVID, lightening up some restrictions and getting your vaccine and ready to start this world again like we used to know it. I do want to start off by giving my condolences to a friend of the modern family and definitely a friend to myself and Bree, who is now a part of the modern family, a part of the modern man podcast. And we did have someone pass away and don't want to give too much information on that, but that is the reason why Bree is not with me today. But our thoughts go out to her and her family and everyone about that situation because everyone handles grief in their own way. So we just want to let them know that we're with them and we're here in any capacity that they need us. So we are doing things a little bit different this week. Things, plans got a little bit changed. So I'm switching it up. I, I'm doing a a read of an article I wrote. So half the podcast will be me reading that article about running, talking about the running challenge I started. I, if you still want to join, you can join. We're trying to do 100 miles in April. Everyone, challenge yourself. Knock out 100 miles in April. Let's get this spring going. Let's get summer 2021 going. Hot boy, hot girl summer. Let's do it. And then on the back half of the podcast, I'm trying out a little thing. It's called the survey segment. I'm kind of going through a survey that they ask several thousands of people. And I'm just kind of talking about that survey, going through the responses, looking at the percentages and just, yeah. So we'll see if that sticks. If you like it, let me know. If you hate it, please. Let me know. We don't want to be doing something you hate, something you don't like. But yeah, that's it for the podcast. A little bit different. So if you don't read my article, you're going to listen to my article. And then hopefully the survey segment works out. This is a Modern Man podcast. We're presented to you by the Modern Podcast Network. This is an article I wrote. Run one step at a time. I'm going to try and describe to you what running means to me. It is a healthy, meditative form of exercise. It is also the easiest way for me to get lost in the flow of working out. I love running on a hot summer day. I love to feel the sweat dripping down my body as the wind blows in my face, shirtless and free to the world. The treadmill is his own animal, like riding a tamed horse through the pasture. Running outside in the open is like an adventure on a wild bronco. I love that there are no rules and that there's no set pace. I may be sprinting one moment, but then subside to a slow jog so that I can catch my breath. I might jump over some random obstacles as if I was a hurdler in the Olympics. The beauty of running in the free and open air is that the possibilities are endless. I'm just out there painting my own canvas. 
I love running by myself because it promotes inner competition. The only person I'm trying to outpace or withstand is myself. But I love running distance. There's something about it that other people fear that I actually crave. The first time I ran 10 miles, I thought I was going to die afterward. 21. Living on the campus at the University of Houston and attending the University of Houston. I would run I would run along the canal by the university that would stretch for miles. I'd first got into running when I was in a weight loss competition in the first couple of years of college. A coworker over three times my age would challenge me by trying to outwalk the distance I would run. The competition between him and me turned into a daily competition to beat myself, to beat my time, to beat my distance. When I transferred to Houston, running was the only alone time that I had. At my previous university, I had my own apartment, but now I was living a two-bedroom with four guys. My roommate was also a very popular pharmaceutical sales rep, so there was always several people in and out of the house. I would just run for some peace and quiet. I remember specifically why I ran so long that day. The previous night, I had walked in on my roommate and his girlfriend engaging in foreplay, and it was very uncomfortable for all of us. After that event, I started falling asleep on the couch on accident because the living room was more peaceful at times. I also could be alone out there. On this beautiful day in Houston, Texas, I decided to run. I ran until the sweat dried out all over my body. I ran to be alone. I ran till the canal ended on the west side. This is when I turned around and ran in the opposite direction back home. It took me a little under two hours to run the 10 miles. I felt incredibly accomplished and at peace with myself. I went back into the overcrowded apartment and sat down on the couch, unable to walk for days. The next time I ran over 10 miles wouldn't be till five years later. It was the furthest I had ever run in my life to date. It was when I was living in one of the only cities I hold closer to my heart than Houston, New York City. I definitely didn't have the mindset to embark on a near marathon journey that day. I had the intention of walking that day. I had reached the point of no return and my mentality is like, fuck it. If it is three or four more miles, who cares if I felt like I was walking on glass at that point? Let's start at the beginning of that day. I went out with the intent to walk a few miles to my friend Steven's apartment. I was going to ask him to go for a walk with me and maybe get brunch, but by the time I got there, he had responded that he was busy with work. So that fucked my plans. After the sudden change of plans and optimism for the day, I remembered that the Williamsburg Bridge wasn't too far away. So I thought, I might as well venture to Manhattan for the afternoon. The bridge drops you in Manhattan around East Village, but it hadn't been in Midtown since the protest broke out, so I thought today was as good as any. I made my way through West Village into Chelsea, then Midtown. I saw Madison Square Garden and the rooftop bar I used to work at across the street from the arena. I took a quick peek at the bizarre empty streets of Times Square, then I looped around and headed downtown. I went back through Chinatown and over the Brooklyn Bridge. My initial plan was to take the subway home from there, but once again, I was in the mentality like I'm already this far, so I might as well finish. 
I just didn't realize that I shouldn't have left the house for that long with no fluids or money. I'd almost run the entire way until I was coming home over the Brooklyn Bridge and was in the Clinton Hill area of Brooklyn. This was when my legs had given out and each step began to feel like glass. I was feeling each muscle tighten in my legs through each step. Those last few miles were excruciating. The pain was like a bad taste that I couldn't get out of my mouth. I remember thinking when I get home, I'm going to let my body have multiple days to recover from this. When I was getting closer to my neighborhood, I wanted to stop for ice cream. If you knew anything about my love of New York City, one of my favorite things about the city is stopping at a local ice cream shop on a beautiful summer day. I never stopped. I kept thinking, any moment I spend not walking home is another moment that I can't spend at home just relaxing. Feeling I had when I opened my bedroom door to take a seat on the bed is simply unexplainable. The air conditioning blasting cool air in the room, so much dried sweat all over my body. My body has given all that it could that day. I just sat down feeling accomplished and relieved. Over 18 miles, hell yeah. I hated it and was so proud of myself. Running has always been there for me. I was never the fastest on the field, but I never had quit. Identify with the mentality of one foot after another, regardless of your pace. I run for exercise and I run through life. Whether I'm in sprint, jog, or walk, I take each step through life, one at a time, never quitting, never giving up. Run, one step at a time. Okay, this is the survey segment of the podcast. This is a trial segment. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to see how how the viewers like it, how the listeners like it, how you like it. Let me know. Because this is definitely on a limited time basis. We got to see how it goes. All right. You know, this is a Modern Man podcast. We talk about sex, dating, relationships, everything dealing with our life, sociology, psychology. You know, that's our focus. And the first survey I picked is a cohabitation study or a cohabitation survey, I should say. It's kind of talking about the trends of American perception about cohabitation. And I want to take off, say this from the beginning. There's about almost 10,000 people and about 52% of them. So over 50% of them were married and of the married, 97% of them were considered straight. So we don't have a racial, the ethnicity of the surveys, but that is, that's the demographic. So it's not a pretty high sample size of diversity in terms of gender and sexuality. But at the same time, not saying it says 97% of them were in heterosexual normative couples. So no, they were just opposite partners. So they could identify as bisexual, pansexual, etc. But they were just married to someone of the opposite sex. All right. We got we got that out of the way and let's get to the survey. We're going to the survey. All right. And the the first part that kind of 
what intrigued me was that this part was pretty much exactly, or this question was almost the exact same. They separated for the first four. They asked men and they asked women. They asked them, how essential is it? Well, they just said in general, how important is it for a man to do blah, blah, blah. And they said, how important is it for a woman to do blah, blah, blah. And they said, they asked men, how important is it for a man to be married? 54 said important, not essential. 16% said essential. And 29 said not important. Almost the exact same statistics for women. 17% said essential. 54 said important, not essential. The exact same as men. 28 said not important. 29 for men. Yeah. So that is that's surprising. I thought maybe women, just because of society wants to tell you that women put a higher emphasis on marriage, but obviously that's not. And by the way, this study was done in 2019. So I guess maybe it is a little more progressive. All right, the next, they asked men and women both. How important is it, like, how fulfilling is it to be in a committed romantic relationship? Almost the exact same statistics for men and women as well. Pretty much the same for marriage. Not very essential. Important, but not essential. So then we go into the big kind of what stereotypical societal thing having children men pretty much the exact same they did about being married and for women not much higher at all literally the same statistics the only jump is when we go about having a job or career they enjoy both men and women both think it is essential men 57 percent, women at 46 percent think it's very important in a fulfilling life that you have a job or career that you enjoy neither think that is important that you have lots of money women actually do think it is more important they don't think neither think it's too essential but women do think it's more important to have a fulfilling life that you have money and then, okay, now we're talking about cohabitation. That's what a lot of this study is, is cohabitation. And I do want to start off also by saying most of the people in this study that were married, I think it's 54% of them were lived together before they got married. All right? So they asked, do you think it's ever acceptable for an unmarried couple to live together? Almost 70% said yes, even if they don't plan to get married. That's pretty progressive. Most think it's okay that you can live together even if you don't plan to get married. That's something I would expect. They ask all the participants these next four questions. And they said kind of, in general, who do you think has it easier when it comes to achieving these goals? An unmarried person living with a partner, 
a married person or does it make a difference? So in these four questions, who has it easier in life? The unmarried cohabitation situation, the married person, or it doesn't matter. Being financially secure. In my opinion, it has to be the married person. You get tax breaks. Majority of people say it doesn't make a difference. Having a fulfilling sex life definitely doesn't make a difference. Honestly, marriage would seem kids, but still doesn't make a difference. Most people agree. Having social status. I would say married. They say doesn't make much difference. But see, here's my point. I will counter that. Okay, social status. A lot of people who want social status usually are involved in a religious group. Religious groups promote marriage. Boom. Reason number one. Then marriage, it's about connections, about the last name. Like if we both have the same last name, it's just easier to market yourself and your family. So if you want to build that social status, you're not building two different um, like names, foundations. So you're not two different brands. You're building one central brand. So that's my counter to that. But at the same time, they still only 8% said that an unmarried person, unmarried people are losing in every category, regardless. It's just not a huge discrepancy. And majority of it is, doesn't make a difference. And being happy, 70% said doesn't make a difference. So in general, they don't think being married makes you more financially secure, better sex, social status, or happy. I only disagree with one of those, and that's social status. Okay. They asked participants, how do you feel about allowing unmarried couples to enter legal agreements that would give them the same rights as married couples? Like, blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose of getting married. Like, what is marriage? I get it. It's in the eyes of God. But if you really wanted to do it in the eyes of God, you don't need to do it legally. But 33% strongly favor, 32% somewhat favor, and then less than that combined to even the 32% is opposed. So they are for it. I still think that you don't get married for a reason, and they shouldn't have benefits as married people. And then, like I said, most of the participants in this study did live together before, but they asked everyone, do you think couples who don't live together before marriage and do live together, like who has a more successful? And 48% said, Couples who do live together have a more successful marriage. But 38% said it doesn't make a difference. I think it definitely does because it's about knowing those little, I don't know, those little pet peeves and the intricacies of the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And I get you can spend the night, yada, yada, yada. But usually if you're not willing to move in, you're not willing to like spend weeks or days, you know, with someone. This this is one. 
because I have this like classic weird view of if I have kids, I want to be married just because obviously I grew up in that stupid, you know, classic Anglo-Christian mindset of, you know, a family. But they ask, what is closer to your view? Like who, who raises kids better? Couples who are married do a better job. Couples who are living together but not married do just as good a job. And I'm not saying couples who aren't married don't do as good a job because 60% of these people say couples who are living together but are not married can do it just as good. And I agree. I'm just talking about like that psychology. Like maybe when, I don't know. I don't know what's the research on a kid seeing his parents unmarried. But I just think it's good for the kids to see that home, if it's there, why not be whole? But it's not like you're broken. I don't know. I need to address that with myself. So if you if you know anything I need to educate myself on that, please DM me. Let me know. Okay. And these are questions. They're asking people, how important is it that you do these things? Before you get married. And I'm going to just say. These are the two or three. That they said. That are very important. That you do before you get married. Like majority of people said. You should do before you get married. You should be financially stable. You should have a steady job. And you should be completely committed. To their partner. That one's 90%. And then 8% said somewhat important. (laughs) I want to know those people who were somewhat important, somewhat committed to that person for the rest of their life. But the only one that was not too important, which was, yeah, made sense, was buy a house. Because you don't need to have a house to get married. But you know how many people are not financially stable and get married? They may have a steady job, but you can lose your job tomorrow, Okay. It's crazy. I wish more people did. I wish you. I wish people were financially secure before they had babies. But you know what I mean. We can't control that. And then they ask that same question to their partner: How important it is that your partner has these things before you move in? It was literally all all across the board. But being committed was. Slightly less important. That was weird. Like they expect their partner to be more financially secure, have a more steady job, less need to buy a house, and also less committed. That's very interesting. See, this is part of the like rewiring, you know, my brain I have to work on. Because I agree with the 72% of these people, even though I wish I didn't. They ask, when you started living with your spouse, did you think of it as a step toward marriage? 72% say yes. And I'm like, in my head, like my head says, no, it could just be, it makes sense. Like we spend so much time together, we do all this and it would save us money, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, 
it it doesn't mean like next step is marriage. It just could be living together. But my head or my heart, I don't know which goes to it. Cause like my head tells me the smart decision is like think, think mathematically, think like yes, quantitatively. But then my heart was just like no, everything is like a gradual. It's cause our system makes us want to think everything is a gradual incline. They're asking people kind of, what was the reason now for you getting married? And this is the 52% of people who got married. They asked, what was the major reason? Was this a major reason, minor reason, not a reason? What was the major reason? Oh, no. Okay. Was love. What, what was love? 90% say love was a major reason. Companionship, major reason. Also wanted to make a formal commitment was a major reason why they actually got married. It was convenient, but no one really said that. Surprisingly, 10% did. So did 13 said it made financially sense. 31 said that because they want to have kids that day. Six said because you're pregnant with your partner. And this is what I mean. These are self-reported. So they're going to be a little skewed, like not as accurate. But still the fact, I guess you can marry someone because you're pregnant and then fall in love with them in the end. And then because you want to have kids and because it made financial sense. So they're just asking why you initially got married. So I'm trying to dissect their reasons for no and without any context. All right, and now they're asking everyone who started living with their partner. The initial was people who got married. Now they're asking those same questions to people who moved in. And like I said, I would move in with someone because it made financial sense. Yet that doesn't mean it has to lead to marriage, even though that's what my head says. So the number that for financial sense tripled. See? So love went down. They didn't move in with each other for love. Companionship went down. Wasn't a major reason. Pregnant, doubled. Wanted to have kids someday, cut in half. Convenient, quadrupled. <laughs> and like tests your relationship, like formal commitment, that actually cut into a third. So I would say the biggest discrepancies in this would be because they are pregnant. Most people moved in with each other because they are pregnant. Because it was convenient and because it made financial sense. So my like whole conclusion to the whole cohabitation, because we'll, we'll leave it at that. We don't got to ramble on this cohabitation study because it's, it's actually a lot longer than you may think it would be. But would it be that people should live together because it just makes sense. It makes sense to live with someone who you're dating, spending most of the time with, spending all this money with. It just, it makes financial sense. And we have to learn to train our brains that just because something is progressing doesn't mean we have to, we can take a step back. Like, 
just because we move forward, it's okay to take a step back and then process to move forward again. Because a lot of people think it makes sense to move together, move in together as a couple. Doesn't mean we have to get married. We may need to take a break and then get married in five, ten years. This just reminds me of just like when you date someone with a lot of people who may know you or something and they have their input. This is society putting their pressures and their ideas on your relationship. Y'all need to let your relationship go at your own pace. Don't let society dictate that. Yeah. So that that's, that's segment one of the survey segment, or number one of the survey segment, whatever we're going to call it. That, that's go one at of the survey segment. We did cohabitation, okay? I'll see you next Monday. Bree should be back with us. This is a Modern Man Podcast. I'm J.D. Farrell. We're presented to you by the Modern Podcast Network. Have a great week. Like, subscribe. Bye.